Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? about grief on this podcast before, and I'm going to talk about it some more today. Unanswered grief is at the root of so much of the suffering and violence I see in our world today. Joanna Macy, in her work, of helping humans restore our relationship with the ecosystem talks about the need to grieve. That when we get serious about the work of helping to heal the earth, one of the first things we have to do is open our eyes and see what we've done and swim through an ocean of grief, letting it really come home to our hearts before we can find action that comes from an authentic place. That is not something that we do well in modern society. We don't turn toward grief We turn toward distraction and away from grief, really away from any kind of pain, physical, emotional, spiritual. We are surrounded by distractions so that we don't have to attend to what is uncomfortable for us. So much of Our modern way of life is built around our addiction to comfort and convenience. And so embracing discomfort is countercultural. It's almost taboo. I've been courting quite a bit of grief the past few weeks. There has been a lot of death in my personal life. There's been a lot of death in the world. And all of that grief has been resting heavily in my heart. And I knew I needed to turn toward it and tend it before the path could open before me, before I could know what was next in my life. 
In my own experience, I found that if I don't tend to my grief, then most of the decisions I make are reflexive and are truly about avoidance until I take the time to let the grief do its work in me, to soften me and open me and guide me to deeper truths. And then I can see clearly what is next for me. But until then, until the grief has its way, I'm just in avoidance. I'm binge watching Netflix. I'm achieving as much as possible with a lot of productivity and busyness. Not because those things are necessarily the highest expression of myself. Although productivity is wonderful when it contributes to the world in a balanced way. But it's not wonderful when it's purely reflexive avoidance. And so I have consciously tended my grief. And it has looked like I'm very sad. And it has looked like my body hurts. And it has looked like I've withdrawn from things I typically am excited about. And that has been scary for the people who love me because they don't like to see us not happy. And so that adds to the burden of our grief because we feel like we have to force it quickly or we have to pretend it's not there to be pleasant in company. I've mentioned this book before on this podcast. Martine Practel wrote a book called The Smell of Rain on Dust, where he talks about traditional grieving practices in the cultures of Central and South America, where he was living at the time. And the rawness and the authenticity of the grieving and how it was so supported by community That is not an experience that I've ever had in my North American um, settler culture. And so I bring up this topic just to shine a light on the, the blessing of grief so that when it comes home to us, we can turn toward it. Martine Prechtel says that grief and praise come from the same muscle. That our ability to grieve comes from the same place as our ability to love, to praise, to be in awe of something. When I was a hospice nurse, I always told families that their grief was in equal measure to their love and they should honor it just as much. So how do we grieve without getting lost in the grief? And I think that has everything to do with the stories we tell ourselves. Grief 
when it is in isolation, when it is shamed, when it is not held sacred, can make us feel incredibly alone and betrayed and abandoned by life. And in that place, we can start to tell stories of despair, of hopelessness, of pointlessness. We can other ourselves from the world. Clearly, the world doesn't love us or this grief would not have come to us. Clearly, we are destined for tragedy. You know, these are the kinds of stories that we can start to tell ourselves in the throes of grief. These stories are dangerous. They are not inherent to grief. Grief lays waste to uh, our egos um, and it really reduces us to a place of truth and authenticity. And in that place, we experience holiness, the, the longing for what is real, that's incredibly sacred. And in many cultures, the grieving person is the, the closest person to God. But when that sacredness is lost, we are victim, we can be victim to despair and hopelessness, which is not an inherent part of grieving, but sort of a pathological symptom of grieving in isolation without the support of the natural world and without the support of loving community. And so helping ourselves grieve in my life has been about finding a story big enough to hold the grief. Recently, my 16-year-old daughter's very best friend in the world lost her mother to cancer. She was only 42. She fought valiantly before succumbing in the end to this aggressive form of breast cancer. And that particular grief a woman my age leaving behind a daughter just coming into her teenage years. The unfairness of it, the raw pain of it, it deeply compounded much of the grief I was already courting in my life. So I needed a story big enough to hold all of this a story that didn't leave me feeling bereft, othered from the world, cast in a sea of tragedy and impersonal despair. And so I went to the forest. The forest holds the story of life and death in such exquisite balance as I walked through the forest, I saw dead trees bent at the top and broken or lying on the ground. Mm-hmm. And as I 
approached this death, that each tree was covered in a huge variety of life, lichen and mushrooms and insects. The death was being held and used and transformed by so many different kinds of life. This was a story that could help me in my grief. This story of death turning to life. This story of of beauty even in the loss. And so I came back home with a heart big enough to hold all of the grief I was feeling. I also turned to the plants for help in the form of medicine. And I started adding Damiana tincture to my daily regimen Damiana's Latin name is Ternera Diffusa. It is native to Mexico, South and Central America, and the Caribbean, where it grows wild. It's a tropical shrub. It grows a few feet tall. It has these beautiful serrated leaves that come to a point, and these yellow flowers that look a lot like phlox flowers, but a lot bigger. This shrub's leaves are very aromatic, meaning they are almost perfumed. They have this beautiful floral and musky fragrance. Damiana has been used by the Aztecs and Mayans for many hundreds of years and has become a popular herb for sexual desire. Damiana is well known as a aphrodisiac. But it's so much more than that. Damiana is a nerve tonic. It really helps our nervous system to become restored and strong enough to hold things like grief and stress and transition and exhaustion. It also dilates our capacity for pleasure which is, I think, part of why it's an aphrodisiac. But pleasure of all kinds, not just sexual pleasure, but bliss and beauty. Damiana increases our capacity to hold beauty. Tom is easily uh, an herbalist I truly respect and admire. Says something interesting about Damiana. He says that Damiana is good for those who have lost something on the road of life. Who hasn't lost something on the road of life? But interestingly, in the past few weeks that I've been using Damiana, I've been having these moments where my life flashes before my eyes, where suddenly I'm remembering exactly the print on my favorite pair of scrubs that I wore to the hospital. Or I remember um, a very obscure incident from many years ago in incredible detail. This is a hallmark of nerve restoration for me. When I'm 
working with plants that restore the nervous system, I tend to have these flashes and flood of memories from long ago. Damiana can be used as a tincture, that's how I'm using it, as a tea or infusion in the bath. It makes a really wonderful bath. It can be smoked or used as an incense. It's also created um, into a really delicious liqueur, and it's considered possibly the first plant used in margaritas, um, although I'm not sure that that's true. But it makes a wonderful flavor. Damiana seems to just warm my body and soothe my mind and remind me how to see and live in a world of beauty. And so it's been incredibly helpful to me in these past few weeks. Also rosemary. Rosemary, the herb of remembrance, it seems to have a special place in grief and grieving. It's a warming diffusive, meaning that it helps the blood get all through the body, including into the brain. So much of the time when we're grieving, our minds are foggy and we can't seem to think clearly. Rosemary helps to clear the mind that is fogged by grief or really any other reason. It's also just really uplifting, like Damiana. And so between the two, I felt really held and supported by the plant world as I've tended my grief. And as this time, this passage through this place of sadness and loss and longing has sort of had its way with me, I can feel something new opening in me, a desire to be different in the world from the place of tenderness that grief has brought me to and of awe and reverence for the life that does still exist here and in honor of the brevity of a human life. I won't be here that long, you know, maybe 80 years if I'm lucky. And the older I get, the shorter that seems. And so grief reminds me of the preciousness of life. It reminds me to focus on beauty. It reminds me to inhabit the moment I'm in and not take it for granted. To let each moment be a door to something sacred because every moment is. Behind every pair of eyes is an entire universe looking back at us. Within every plant is a doorway to a whole universe of experience. Every object we encounter in this world is a symbolic door 
for a whole world of archetypal energies. They're swirling just within it. And my grief has reminded me that opening those doors through mindful presence and holding those doors open for others through compassionate awareness are the reasons that I'm here. And so if you find yourself grieving, my heart is with your heart. May your grief bring you a gift, something tender and well-loved, a gem, an amulet to carry that reminds you of what is real that reminds you of who you are, that reminds you of the preciousness of this life and this place where we live it. May you grieve well and fully, and may your grief open the way for something beautiful. And as always, if you find yourself in the place of despair or hopelessness, or you can't find a story big enough to hold it all, reach out for help. Whether that's from a counselor or a chaplain or a spiritual director or your best friend, find a safe place to lay your grief, a place where Someone can enhance the story for you and with you. With help and love and support, our grief can become a door and an invitation to commit more fully to the beauty and the mystery of this life. It can make us more real and for that reason, it is holy. And may we hold each other in our grief, giving back to each other the gift of being seen and witnessed and loved and strengthened and reminded that we are not doing it alone. We are never truly alone. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me.